love to encourage you to find a seat. Do grab a Bible. There's, there's loads on the side there. I don't know whether they got handed out or um, you might want to. I always encourage book version. It could just be my age and era. If you can find it on your phone, that's fine. I just find if I open my phone, I then get distracted by all sorts of other things, whereas this thing just speaks by the Spirit and not by Apple or Google or anything else. <laughs> Page 736, if you're in the Green Bibles, Jeremiah um, 18. Uh, but if you want to also stick a finger or a bookmark, digital bookmark, in um, James chapter 1, which is on page 1147 in uh, this one. We, if you're vi- new or visiting, uh, kind of queuing in online, and we've just been, uh, we're just finishing a little series now in the month of June um, from a, just this little episode in the prophet Jeremiah. Um, God basically, you know, God is, is like a, a kind of, he's like a parent to his people, a number of parents raising children. Um, you, you, how you kind of help them to navigate their way through life is you say, look, that you've got choice, you've got power, you've got agency. You, there are choices. You can make a choice, and your choice will have a consequence. I'm, I'm not going to say, but that's a good choice or a bad choice. You discover for yourself. I can shape you. I'm here to help you. But there are choices. Every choice you make, though, because you've got power, and you must learn as a little person growing up how to transact the power that you have as a human being created in God's image. So you, you make a choice, I can guide you, and there'll be consequences. That's just a microcosm of what God says to his people through covenant. He uses the words of the Bible, sums it up as blessings, curses. Um, so there are choices, and if you choose the way of the Lord, blessings. If you choose not the way of the Lord, curses. Um, sounds pretty black and white, but that sums it up. And uh, Jeremiah is called by God to say, well, here are the consequences, guys. You've, you've chased after idols. You've wandered away from the Lord. There's no way of telling a difference between you and all the other ancient Eastern people who, who sacrificed their children to idols. And, but you look just as bad. And Jeremiah is called to, to prophesy to them. And, and, and um, as a little sort of vignette, there's this piece here, Jeremiah 18. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, house of Israel, as this potter does? declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. Father, speak to us. Uh, Continue to speak to us through this metaphor, this image, this prophetic word uh, from you, your heart to Jeremiah, for them there then. Speak to us by your spirit here now so that we might be shaped by you as your people in Parsons Green, as part of your people in London and in this nation and in the West. Lord, shape your people to be beautiful in such a way that we reflect your glory, your goodness, your passion, your purpose, your goodness. Join us in with that great story of blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's a question. It's kind of a rhetorical question. I don't know the answer. Um, 
But when the Lord says to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and there I'll give my message to you. How long did Jeremiah spend at the potter's house? As I say, rhetorical question, don't, don't know the answer. Um, how long would you spend if the Lord told you to go <laughs> to the potter's house? So, you know, how long have I got? Squeeze in half an hour. Um, you know, enough to sort of get the hang of what he's doing, she's doing. Yeah. My, my hunch is that Jeremiah spent, I mean, just back then the world, they didn't have, you know, calendars and to-do lists and smartphones. The pace of life probably a little bit slower. When the Lord says, go to the potter's house, um, I wonder whether Jeremiah, and just thinking about Middle Eastern hospitality, you, you, you don't just pop in. Um, don't want to be a, you know, no, no, come in, have a meal, stay. I wonder whether Jeremiah spent quite some time at the potter's house. I don't know, just a surmise. Um, days, maybe. Weeks, possibly. So he didn't just see one pot being formed. See, I, what I worry about is we've, we've worry too strong, but I wonder whether, you know, as we've been working with this metaphor, is that we, we you know, we rush on, don't we? Yeah, got that, move on. Um, so Tim, yeah, I've got the whole series. I get the metaphor, yeah. And, and we sort of focus on one pot. Get the clay, prepare the clay, center the clay on the wheel. Yeah, make, make something, anything, something great. Take it off, fire it in the kiln, brilliant, done, got it. And we sort of rush through, what's next, what's next? And I just wonder whether sort of implicit in this word to Jeremiah was go to the potter's house and just stay there and watch and keep watching and keep watching. And I wonder whether the Lord is wanting to, to say to us, it's not just about one pot, preparing the clay, putting, centering it on the wheel, making something, taking it off, putting it in the kiln, there it is, finished. It's, it's, just, it's, not, it's not about one pot, it's about the potter. And the potter, over a week or a month or even a year, let's, let's imagine, is, is doing all of those things. He's... As he's processing this clay, he's centering that, and he's making this, and he's firing that, and then needing some more clay and centering. And we, we've talked a bit about, yeah, and then, well, actually, Jeremiah saw that the pot was marred in his hands. Maybe a little air pocket had made itself available, and the wall had collapsed. And so, okay, bring it back down to the center. Start again. And, and Jeremiah sees all that. He sees Prozen needing getting some more clay, forming this. Oh, need to fire that back to... He just sees the whole process. And I want to invite you into the possibility that God, God in the metaphor of this potter, is doing bits of all of that in our lives. That he's preparing bits of our lives. He's, he's warming us up where we've grown a bit cold. He's pushing out the air bubbles of resistance to his will. He's doing that all the time while he's centering us on his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whilst at the same time, he's shaping stuff in us. And, crucial, I guess, to the sort of emphasis this week, he's, he's kilning us. He's firing what he's made. He's, he's putting bits of his creation in us in the fire of his testing. 
if you just, I'm not an expert in pottery, but having looked into a little bit, you can make this amazing pot, and um, it's all wet from the, the water that the potters use to, to form it, and, uh, and you get a sort of cheese slicing, you, sort of, you, you carefully sort of slice it off the wheel, and you kind of slide a bit of paper or something underneath so that you can slide it off the wheel, and you leave it there, and you, you have to let it dry out because all the, all the wets, and so, so it just dries out naturally. But if you then just leave it, the, the clay will completely dry out and just crack. You couldn't, you know, if you'd made a mug, you couldn't put, a, you couldn't put tea in it because the hot water would just crack it. So you glaze it, you dip it in when it's dried out, you dip it in this glaze, um, and that's like a sort of covering thing. Um, and then you put it in the kiln, and the kiln is, is, is really hot several hundred degrees, and you fire it for several hours, and the glaze kind of sets on the clay and, and just makes permanent that beautiful piece of creation. In other words, it, it, it proves the worth of the potter. And, that, and the firing, the kiln, the process, is just an ongoing part of the whole pottery deal. And I think Jeremiah saw that. And I, I just invite you to consider this evening, by way of reflection, what is the Lord testing you through? Tests are a good thing before they're a bad thing. <laughs> um, Paul talks, doesn't he, about so that you might test and approve. Tests prove the goodness. Tests prove the worth. Tests call out the quality. All the way through school, I didn't believe that. I thought teachers set tests to catch me out. Invariably, they did. They caught me out because I hadn't done enough work. I hadn't paid enough attention. I'd always fallen short. And so a test caught me out. And so my framework was tests are a bad thing because they'll, they'll, they'll ruin me. They'll destroy me. They'll lead me straight into detention without passing go or collecting 200 pounds. Tests are bad. Then I trained to become a teacher. Not sure why, but I did. And I got a job as a teacher. And I flipped completely. Because here I am now inviting students to, to learn and to improve and increase their knowledge. And every now and then I set a little test. And I didn't want to catch them out. I wanted to show them how much they knew. So I, I set them sort of questions that would would be sort of easy enough to give them hope, but then, but then, you know, hard enough so that they come out of that going, oh, I knew more than I thought I did. And from the teacher's point of view, tests were a good thing before they were a bad thing. And God, as Potter, if you like, regularly invites us into kiln time, not so that he can destroy us, Although if we wander away from him, and if there's, that's, what, that's what kind of elements of the fear of the Lord is. Because if we wandered away from the Lord and the Lord invites us into the kiln, we will burn. <laughs> we will blow up if we have not allowed ourselves to be prepared by him. But tests, the kiln is a good thing before it's a bad thing. If we've allowed ourselves to be, to be worked by God, if we've allowed all the, 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 the the flesh stuff to be worked out, if the air bubbles and air pockets have been eradicated, if we have been centered on his will and formed by his hands, then the kiln just sets out forever what he's made. Hallelujah. By the way, just a little aside, little, this is a little 
little sort of, you know, I'll give you this one for free. Education, which is what I got involved in and trained in, is a compound word from Latin, a, which means from, and ducera, which means to lead. So education is to lead from or to, or to call out, to bring out. Education presupposes that it's all there in embryo and what we're doing is just that the skill of the teacher is to call it out. Education is to call out what's there. I'll give you skills like the ability to understand numbers or to write words or to speak a different language. I'll give you the sort of skills to call out what's there. You're a linguist or a mathematician uh, or a wordsmith or your sport or drama or art. Whatever God has sown into you, the educator, the educera, is there to spot it in embryo and bring it out, to form it. Now, I understand those of us who have been through most of the education, examples of the education, so you think it's all about cramming it in. Learn this. Get a test. You better pass. And we all think about education. is about cramming in. It's the complete opposite. Educare is about recognizing what's there and calling it out. That's what God is doing with our lives. You and I are incredible in potential, in embryo, and in many ways in reality. <laughs> We're works in progress. There's, there's some amazing things that God has, has, has worked in us and sent it and called forth. It's amazing. When I, when, I, when I listen to what's going on in life groups or different ministries in the church, when I, when I see what individually and collectively you and I are doing just in this church, never mind all the others, how amazing is God that he creates and calls out and then he, he tests it. He tests it to, to prove it. Testing is basically proving the quality of what's already there. Here's a lovely pot. Let's make it last. Let's prove the quality, the worth of that pot or that vase. So, James, the other reading. James 1. Ho hopefully, this little reflection makes sense of this slightly weird thing that James starts his letter to persecuted Christians. Christians, by the way, who were being led off to the lions. Christians who were being made homeless. They're kind of home-sacked. Jobs, careers, they were just taken from them. Uh, they were starving. Uh, persecuted. And James says, verse 2, he starts his letter by saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing or proving of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you consider it joy when when God invites us into kiln time when Life feels pressured when I begin to sense challenge, when my stomach begins to tighten or my palms begin to sweat or I just begin to feel that burden in my mind or the weight on my shoulders as I look ahead to what's coming up. How am I going to get through this? How will I cope? What will I do or say in this situation or in that scenario? Or, Lord, where are you calling me to hold silence and not do anything? Even though that will be tough, I'll be tempted to react Testing times. Consider it joy. 
because God is working in us. Sometimes, and just some of the conversations, or reflections in my own life, sort of post-pandemic, and conversations I've had with, with people, um, part of the church family and, and uh, around about as well, is that, if, can, we have the, can we have the slide with the, the circle? We sometimes feel that our, I'm hearing people sort of basically saying, I, I just feel like I'm going round and round in circles. I don't know if we, if we, can we have that one up? It will come. Um, yeah, I just, my, I'm going round and round in circles. I, I, I'm, you often like these two words, always or never. I'm always dot, 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 or I'll never dot, dot, dot. And we can feel a little bit hopeless. We, the sort of inner narrative, the inner critic, can make us feel like I'm just constantly going around the same tests and trials, the same things that always sort of seem to defeat me. I never seem to make progress. And it can feel like I'm going around in circles. But I wonder whether James would, would say to us, as he asks us to consider tough times, testing times, kiln time, uh, to consider it as pure joy, whether he, he'd ask us to shift our perspective. Often it's about perspective. So that actually, it's this. Bring up the second slide. What if actually what appeared like going round and round in circles, the trials and tests of my life, the things that seem to constantly dog me and groove my thinking into a particular restrictive narrative? What if actually God is using those to grow you and to progress you up and higher and closer? What if actually in kiln language he's burning off more and more of the impurity in your and my life? What if he's creating more and more lasting character, love, joy, peace, patience, character and fruit of the Spirit in our lives? And we're actually making progress, even though it feels like we're going round and round in circles. I wonder whether we can embrace Hardship, test, trial, because it, because it develops perseverance. Um, a little while ago, I met with some people who said, hey, it sounds like the morning service have a lot of fun, and it's always very dull in the evening. So I thought, let's have some fun in the evening. Who's up for some fun in the evening? Okay, okay, good, good. I like that. So um, here's the analogy, and forgive me, I, I also, other people say, why do we always talk about sport at St. D's? Um, so uh, forgive me, but this is, this is a kind of golfing analogy. Um, you don't have to be a golfer to kind of understand it, or you don't have to be a golfer to be part of our church. Um, but this just happens to be a golfing analogy. And I've got a green there. And you have to imagine in the middle of the green is the hole which the golfer tries to get the, the ball into. Um, I, I, I'm not a golfer, but I play enough golf to know that it would not be particularly rewarding if I was on the, the tee here with the ball, if the fairway, in other words, the, the bit of grass that leads to the, the green, already sounding confusing, isn't it? Um, anyway, if, if, if the path to the green just sloped all the way down gently with a, with a sort of nice angle, sort of just a nice funnel like that. And when it got to the green, the green was actually a perfect circular funnel sloping in and the hole was right at the bottom of the funnel. As a golfer, I reckon I'd stand quite a good chance of getting the ball in the hole. I don't know. Actually, golf courses aren't designed like that. They've got... Um, they've got the word that James uses there for, for tests or trials is pyrasmos. 
these opportunities to prove how good you are. And golf courses have loads of pyrasmos. Um, there, there are some water features. So who, who wants to be a water feature near the green? I've got some water. You have to go with this. Okay, the morning service got really excited. <laughs> oh, come on, Nora. I love that. Yeah, okay, so you, you pitched yourself there. Anyone else want to be some water? Yep, come on, Luke. Yeah, there we are. Great. And I've also got, what else do we have around, around greens? Bunkers. Come on. Yeah, you're playing. You're playing. That's good. Okay, so here's some sand. Anyone want to be some? Yes, thank you so much, Katie. Anyone else? Yes, Ian? Did you put your hand up for... Or James, was that you volunteering, Ian? <laughs> Dear. Back of the class. There we go. Yeah, so, we'll, so I think what would... If you... Can you like hold them yeah, just or hover them ab above? So don't block the green, but um, I'll just put that one there. That's there like that. So we've got our water features and we've got... These are the pirate... Now, if I'm a golfer here... Oh, look, I've got a golf club and, and, some, and a ball. Um, so if I'm a golfer with my club, I want to hit the green, but look at the, the, the real danger of... Yeah, my goodness, that <laughs> vicious bunker and the water feature. There's a real chance I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get gobbled up by the water or the sand and, um, and, and, and not the green. So I, I don't think I can do that. I wonder if there's, a, is there a, I wonder if there's anyone who plays golf in, in, the, in the church. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the biggest stitch-up you've ever seen, actually, indeed. Tom Grew, how you come? Here you go, so it's a, it's a pitching wedge, is that all right? Um, by the way, I've done a risk assessment on this. Um, so these, these balls are just, uh, we, I think we're okay, but just in case he thins it, I'm in the front row, okay? Almost certain Will's probably going to get hit. Oh, that's quite a hook from there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm thinking, where should I stand? Uh, do, you want, do, you want, do you want to use one of those? Or just off the... Off? Yeah, okay. So, um, hey, Tom Grew, in your, you've got a few more behind you. In your own, in your own time. Um, that, are you going to just say that water feature there is... Is that all right? If we could, Luke, that's pretty vicious. It looks Quick. like a waterfall. <laughs> waterfall. Yeah, okay. So you've just got to hit the green. Oh, a little, oh, oh, a little, okay, a sighter. Now, just hang on, just pause a minute there. Wait a minute, because, um, so, so you've, you've fallen quite short of the green there. Sadly. No, I mean, no, I'm very used to it, Tim. No, <laughs> no judgment. You should, I was awful this morning. Um, but so that is, okay, so we've kind of, we've fallen short there. So now he's thinking, Tom, well, what are you thinking, Tom? Need to hit it harder. Need to hit it harder. A little bit, you can, yeah, give yeah. it a bit of juice. Um, yeah, you see how this is working. It's going to improve his golf here. Because the pyrasmos have, have been calling it out of him. Come on, there's a golfer in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh. Bunker, bunker. Okay, two more. Okay, here's how the church works. Hang on, we're just sorry, sorry. This is how the this is how the family of God works. Who believes that Tom can do this? Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. Thank you, bunkers and water features. <laughs> okay, coming into land. You, I kind of, what I say to the guys in the morning is, or the adults, 
because the kids are sitting there thinking, what on earth? And the, how it works in the morning is mums and dads or adults who've brought younger people, um, you, your job is at lunchtime or bedtime. When, you know, bedtime. I imagine around about now, there's a whole load of sort of five, six or seven-year-olds going, mommy, daddy, what was Vicar Tim doing in church this morning? <laughs> and they've got to explain <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing whilst working through for themselves, working through for yourself now. Um, what are the pyrasmos, the bunkers and water features that are, that are coming up for you personally? Uh, maybe for the group of friends, your life group that you're part of, people that you're praying for. I, I mean, there's, I know a lot of illness that's around at the moment. I know people who are wrestling with their mental health uh, and, and, and just trying to summon up the energy to, to swing a club, as it were let alone hit the green. Yeah. Consider it pure joy because the potter loves you and I and loves us. He wants to make things of beauty. And, and so these tests and trials, bunkers are there deep down, secretly, deep down. Tom Grew, when he plays golf, he, he loves to see a bunker because when he avoids it and gets it on the green, he thinks, yeah, he, this, that, that ovation. And inside he's going, yeah, I am. I really can play this game. And by the way, he really can play this game. <laughs> it, it proves. Bunkers are there to prove, ah, this is what God has done in my life. That tricky meeting, a difficult boss or colleague, the, the awkward conversation with a housemate that I kind of, I don't want to have, but I know that I've got to have, is, is God's way of, of working in us. Just one one final little thing um, about perception again um, and I, I mean this just to hopefully to encourage you encourage us um, if I said to a three year old here is a little sand pit they go great because a, a pit full of sand is, is fun and play but if I said to a golfer here is a sand pit next to the green they go oh no a bunker one, one person's sand pit is another person's challenge so one person in your groups, one person's um, difficult conversation is, oh, no, I love having difficult. Some people love confrontation. Some people find it very difficult. Some people love challenges in a way that exactly the same challenge is very difficult for others. We're all of us different. And so we bear with one another and don't allow other people's perception to dictate what is or isn't a test for you. Some things that other people find really, really easy is challenging for you uh, so let's bear with one another be sensitive to one another as we help one another through the pyrasmi of life I'm trying to work out what the plural of pyrasmus is the challenges and tests which will come so that we can help one another to consider them joy because they develop perseverance and perseverance must finish its course Tom doesn't go like the first one fell short he's like oh, I can't do this stuff it I'll go and play hockey no, another go gets closer. Third go on the green. Perseverance must finish its course so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And what do you do if you lack something? You ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Well, how much have I given you before? He doesn't need to like that. No, because he wants to make a thing of beauty in you. He wants to see you completed and mature and perfect. That's why he'll test you or allow Sorry, 
lazy language, that's why he'll allow testing in order to bring out, to aid you carer, to bring out the goodness that he's sown in you by his spirit. We're going to, just final thing, we're going to be facing a, you know, we we will be facing a little bit of challenge as a church um, in the next few weeks and months. Because as a church, we're part of a um, brand, a denomination, um, which is the Church of England. I I know most of us here sit fairly light to Church of England. If I'm honest, I do as well. I'm all for the church in England, and I try and minister um, as part of the kingdom of God. I, I love that prayer. Your kingdom is on the walls. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's kind of my sort of mandate. I'm not massively, uh, I don't leap out of bed and go, great General Synod a meeting this week or whatever it might be. But General Synod will be, which is a sort of church government art meeting. And one of the things that they will be discussing, among other things, uh, as well as when the archbishop gets all the archbishops and bishops from around the world together at, at the Lambeth conference later this autumn and they will be talking about a process that's been going on for a little while now around um, human identity sexuality and gender and next year they are going to make they've given themselves a deadline to make a sort of you know a formal announcement as the Church of England um, I don't think they're going to change in fact I'm pretty sure they're not going to change um, doctrine what, what the church believes about um, the place of sexuality, human sexuality and, and uh, gender identity and so on but they are going to make a sort of statement and it's, it'll, you know, it'll be a ripple effect, it'll be on the news and da 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 and I'm, I'm just conscious that we you know, we, we can't live in ignorance and so part, one of my pyrasmus is as a leader of this community is to is to um, I, I think help us to journey through the discussions and the understanding and um, if I'm honest, part of me, I'll be totally honest, part of me is terrified. Because I, I, I've just heard loads of stories of vicars who said, okay, let's talk about this. And they've talked about it in their church. And they split their church. That's, I'm using emotive language, but that's what it feels like or has felt like. And um, I, so please pray for me and us as we, I wrestle with the, wrestle with this and work my way through it what's my, where am I on all of this what's my heart what, Lord what's your heart what do I understand scripture to be saying and how do I help the people that you call me to lead to walk through this too and I don't think that will be the easiest thing when we have the barbecues out in August that will be that's so good because we put stuff on the barbecue and then you eat it and you have fun together that's, I love leading those things but that's like putting when there's no bunkers and you know uh, and, and this is a few bunkers and water features, and we'll, that's, as, a, as a church, that's what's kind of coming up for us. Uh, so please pray for the leadership and for all of us. Pray for one another as we help one another within our denomination to, to walk um, with grace and truth. That's Jesus, John 1.12, he came full of grace and truth. I just want to be like Jesus, full of grace, full of grace. And full of truth, and, and so that's going to be a challenge for us, as we, as we, as we're moulded by the Potter and centred on the Potter's wheel, and shaped and formed by Him, maybe reshaped and reshaped until we are a thing of beauty for a, for a watching world. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand together?